Now, today, as we think about the message, uh, Lanny Smith, a, a preacher that I've followed a little bit, shared a message about eternal security in which he shared the following story. There was a guy that needed a shave. Now, I don't know. Normally, I shave. You know, I, poor job, I know, but I try to shave. I do that myself. But he decided he wanted a real close shave. So he was going to go to the barber. You know, those barbers with those straight razors, they can make your face as smooth as a baby's behind. You know what I'm talking about? So he went to the barber, and the barber's name was Grace. Maybe an unusual name for a barber. You know, you don't see a lot of female barbers, but yeah, she was there. She gave him the best shave of his life, only cost him $20. Well, his face was as smooth. It had never been that smooth. The next day he got up, he didn't need to shave. He was still pretty smooth. The next day he got up, it was still smooth. And that went on for two weeks. And he still didn't need a shave. I mean, it was amazing. He didn't understand it. He went back to the barber shop. And he went to Grace and he said, I don't understand. He said, you gave me the best shave of my life. And it is still so smooth. I don't even have to shave. What is the secret? And she said, well, you were shaved by Grace. And once shaved, you're always shaved. <laughs> Now, there, there is a doctrine that many Christians believe in called eternal security. And basically, that doctrine says, once you're saved, you're always saved. And in our last message from the series that we're doing out of John, we want to gain a clear understanding about this topic. Uh, this leads to a question, can a Christian uh, who has given their life to Christ lose his or her salvation. In other words, once we are saved, can we become lost again? The problem is that there are scriptures that seem to support both the positive and the negative of that question, and it can be potentially confusing. There are scriptures that seem to indicate that one's salvation cannot be lost, and then there are other scriptures that seem to indicate that certainly we could lose our salvation. And because of this, many Christians come to contradictory conclusions. There are different points of view that have led to debates and theological discussions for centuries. There are many fine Christian people who come to different understandings about this topic. I've had discussions with folks who I respect and uh, I love them, but I don't agree with them and they don't agree with me on this topic. But it is an important doctrine for us to have some grasp of. Is it once saved, always saved, or is it something else? So today we're going to be talking about eternal security. If you're following along in your Core 52 lesson book, you know that that is the topic of the week. You may not think so, but this question is very relevant for our lives today. I'm going to start with the conclusion, and then I'm going to build from there, because our big idea gives us the conclusion. By God's grace, we are saved, but we must hold on to Jesus and never let go. Can I get an amen for that? By God's grace, we're saved, 
But we must hold on to Jesus and never let go. Scripture has both warnings and promises about our salvation, and these create what some might call a tension between these two concepts that we're talking about today. So let's start with what we believe. We are saved by the grace of Jesus. There is no effort or work that makes us worthy of the salvation that God is offering us. I cannot earn my salvation by doing enough deeds or by being good enough. It isn't possible. I'm not good enough. There is no human being who is good enough. But what happens after a person is saved? This is where we have some questions. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 6 and verse 37, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Jesus says, I'm never going to push somebody away who comes to me. Isn't that wonderful news? You come to Jesus, he's going to accept you. With all your warts and problems and, you know, difficulties and weaknesses, he's going to accept you, whatever your life has been like. Later, Jesus would say in John 10, 28, uh, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees at the time, who were trying to intimidate his disciples into abandoning him. And by his words, you see, Jesus is on our side, and he is constantly advocating for us. Paul echoed this truth in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing promise. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Nothing can separate you from God's love. No power on earth, no government, no sickness, no pandemic, nothing can separate you from God's love. And we all need to hear this. In our world today, we are bombarded by problems and struggles. And if you can hold on to this truth through those struggles, God will get you through them. God has provided a guarantee of this promise. The guarantee comes from God's Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 5, 5, we read, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit living in you when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Help me with my voice, Lord. <laughs> the deposit or the guarantee of God's promise is the Holy Spirit who moves in. The clear conclusion to me 
is that our security is in Christ and it is certain. Would you agree with me on that? That it is not in myself, it is not in my ability to be good enough, but it is in Jesus Christ. If you are in Christ, you can be assured that your soul is secure. Death will have no victory over you. Satan may attack you, but he can't beat you. That is the powerful promise of Jesus. But here's the tension. We must not let go of Jesus. There are, there are many warnings in Scripture about not letting go of Jesus. Possibly <clears throat> the most shocking warning comes in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. That is a very scary statement. Think about what it's telling us. As you read that, who would you think is enlightened? And what does it even mean to be enlightened? I would suggest to you that to be enlightened means that you come to understand who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. You believe in God. You believe in the creator of the universe. You believe that Jesus came to die for us. This is the gospel message. This is the enlightenment of our age, to know Jesus. So someone who has been enlightened with this truth, who has tasted the heavenly gift. And what is the heavenly gift? I would suggest to you that the heavenly gift is eternal life, Maybe even uh, including the Holy Spirit who comes into us once we become Christians. Only a Christian can truly taste the heavenly gift to, to experience that relationship with Jesus. Who has shared in the Holy Spirit? Only those who place their faith in Jesus can receive the Holy Spirit. Who has tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age? I mean, it seems very clear to me that the writer is referring to someone who has given their life to Christ and they are Christians. And it seems clear to me that a non-believer is not going to be having any of these experiences, to have the Holy Spirit, or to taste eternal life, or the heavenly gift. So the conclusion to me is clear. The writer was referring to Christians. And he's clearly saying that the people he's talking about were Christians at one time. But what does he say happened? He wrote that they have fallen away. And he says they cannot be brought back to repentance. 
In fact, he says, it is impossible for such a person to be restored. Now, I think it's important that we clearly understand what he means when he says, fallen away. Because this seems very harsh, doesn't it? But I think it is more practical than harsh. And I think we need to understand fully what he is meaning. I don't believe that he's saying someone who has slipped and moved away from God, but then repents and comes back to God, that God is going to turn them away. I don't believe that that is the case at all. But I believe that in a practical sense, there are people who turn away from God and their hearts are hardened to the point where they will not come back to God. They put their feet down. They will not come back to God. They are determined. They've not just slipped away. They've just not just slid back into a sin. They have rejected the Son of God. They have crucified Jesus all over again according to the words of Hebrews. Because they were Christians. And now they have turned away from their faith. They have subjected Jesus to public disgrace. Again, friends, understand, this is not just talking about a period of weakness or struggle. This is a conscious decision to leave their faith behind. They were once Christians, and now they have turned their back on Christ and His church. He is describing a person who has rejected all of his spiritual teaching. In fact, this person is publicly denying his faith, and he is mocking the name of Jesus. You may remember Jesus said in John 15, 6, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Hmm. What does that mean? When we look deeper into the words of Jesus, it seems clear that the person who was once in Christ no longer remains in Him. And because of that, what, what else could, if you don't remain in me, mean? I mean, at once you had to be in Christ in order to remain in Him. What would happen with such a person? They would be cut off, thrown into a fire like a branch that is removed from the vine. The dead branches that break away from the vine, they, they die, they wither, and they get thrown into a fire. They're no longer a part of the vine. In other words, if we do not stay connected to Jesus, we will be lost or destroyed. Our faith will be lost. Our soul will be lost. It will be gone. And so we must hold on to Jesus for all it is worth. In this, we see the two sides of the question. We are secure in our salvation in Christ. But the warning is that we can, in fact, abandon Christ and not 
remain in him and move away from him. Friends, he never abandons us. We abandon him. Now, how do we manage that tension? I don't believe neither Jesus nor Paul contradicted themselves. I don't think that these are contradictory teachings. One way is to simply overemphasize one side or the other, and I think sometimes we do. But we fall into the trap of trying to explain away the other perspective. Uh, well, we're not really secure, but, well, yeah, we are secure. You know, it gets confusing. We find ourselves needing to hold these two positions in some tension. Yes, we are eternally secure in Christ. And we have a responsibility for our own destiny in that we need to hold on to Jesus. And I think we need a good handle on both sides so we can find hope as we're going through the trials of life. Don't you need to feel some security as you're going through difficulties? A former elder of mine, Emmett Powell, uh, he was an elder when I was at a church up in Virginia, uh, and his family were been good friends for many years. Uh, he is he may have already passed away from COVID. Yesterday, they said, you know, he might not make it through the night. His family all came in, and uh, here's the deal. Certainly, nobody wanted. Emmett to pass away. But Emmett has security in Christ. And his family isn't worried about his salvation because he loved Jesus. And Jesus never abandoned him. And in times like that, we need to feel that security. We need the encouragement to hold on under the trials of life. We need to remember that our security depends more on Jesus even than it does us. In John 6, we read, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It's Jesus that's going to raise us up. In John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So there is no power on earth that can come and take you away from Jesus. The only possibility of that happening is if you walk away from Jesus, deny your faith, and publicly disgrace His name. What you should know is that God loves you so much that He made Himself known to you. Think about that. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to let you know who He is. He didn't have to let you know about Jesus. But His desire to have a relationship with you caused Him to reach out to you. Forgiveness and eternal life come from God, not us. They weren't our idea. Even if you wander for a time, He loves you. He welcomes you back. If you repent and come back to Him, He is ready, waiting 
But if you choose to leave, he gives you the free will to do it. If you continue to walk away to the point that you are publicly and actively rejecting Jesus, yes, you can lose what God has gifted to you. I don't know how a person of faith could do that. I don't know how a person who truly knows Jesus and knows his love could reject Jesus to the point that they are publicly and actively pronouncing it, but it happens. Some of you know the name Tony Campolo, one of the great Christian preachers of my time. I have heard Tony speak at several different leadership conferences, a great speaker. His son Bart followed in his father's footsteps, but eventually Bart would leave the faith. Now he works to promote his atheistic beliefs. He is a preacher for atheism. Now think about that. A megachurch preacher named Dave Gass pronounced his renounced his faith after he preached 40 years. He wrote on a social media account, I am walking away from faith. He is making an, an announcement. He referred to the struggles of being a pastor and how difficult church can be. Maybe y'all don't realize that, but it can be tough on pastors, church staff. And this guy has left the faith. Church leaders pointed out that this came after an affair that destroyed his marriage. Maybe that's what led to all this. Joshua Harris was a megachurch pastor who wrote the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Very popular book. And after announcing his divorce, he publicly renounced his faith. This is shocking. These are just a few examples of church leaders who say they were Christians, who by their actions, by their words, by their pronouncements, at one time proclaimed the name of Jesus. Jesus said you'll know them uh, by their love, you'll know them by their deeds, and by all accounts, by their love and deeds, they were in Christ. But now they have turned, totally turned away and are publicly saying that Jesus is not the Son of God. In fact, saying that there is no God at all. So, what do you say? Is it possible to walk away from your faith? I, I think it's absolutely clear. Someone might say, well, they never had faith at all. But I just don't believe that's true. Each of those men claimed that Jesus was Lord. They made those proclamations, but they stopped clinging to Jesus. They got so caught up in the world and in the culture, and they gave up Jesus. Friends, the key is holding on to faith rather than letting it go. Paul wrote Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in 
Verse 18, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Think about what he's saying in that verse. He's saying, Timothy, hold on to your faith Because some people who had faith rejected it, and now they are shipwrecked. And then in verse 20, he mentions a couple by name. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Isn't it interesting that even in the early church, this was taking place? There were people who followed Jesus, and then they left the faith. But I'm going to tell you, it is difficult to escape God's love. (laughs) It really is. It takes sustained effort. Whatever you do, friend, hold on to faith. If you let go totally, if you turn your back on God and walk away, if you publicly renounce and denounce your faith, you can become lost. But God isn't going to let you go so easily. I believe God's going to put people in your life. I think God is going to do everything He can to draw you back to Himself. And if there's any inkling within your heart that will ever open that door again, I believe that that says your heart is not so hard that you have totally turned away from God. I believe God continues to seek after those who are struggling. So if you're struggling today, if you've fallen into a pit and you're having a hard time getting out of it, listen, God still loves you. He's trying to help you. He's trying to pull you out of that pit. And you got people at church who love you and care for you. And if you'll be honest and ask for help and let us know what's going on, we'll be there to help give you a push up out of that pit. Those who believe in eternal security may say that if a person dies while they are living apart from God, well, they never really knew God. So the person died and was condemned because they rejected Jesus. Those who believe they have free will and that we can lose our faith would say that a person was saved but was lost that salvation. The end result is that they would be condemned because they rejected Jesus. So what... What I'm telling you is either way, the end result is the same, an eternity apart from Christ. And that is something, friends, that none of us want for anyone. I hope we can take both of those biblical concepts, security in Christ, but holding on to Him no matter what, and make sense of them. Jesus is our lifeline. As long as we hold on to that lifeline, as long as we stay connected to Him, we will get through. How many of you remember that old hymn? And see, again, I'm dating myself. Um, Throw out the lifeline. Anybody remember that old hymn? Throw out the... There's like three hands that went up. (laughs) Throw out the lifeline. Um, I want to just read the words of this song. I'm not going to sing. My voice is horrible today. But... uh, Throw out the lifeline across the dark wave. 
There is a brother whom someone should save. Somebody's brother, oh, who then will dare to throw out the lifeline, his peril to share? Throw out the lifeline with hand quick and strong. Why do you tarry? Why linger so long? See, he's sinking. Oh, hasten today and out with the lifeboat. Away then, away. Throw out the lifeline to danger fraught men, sinking in anguish where you've never been. Winds of temptation and billows of woe will soon hurl them out where the dark waters flow. Soon will the season of rescue be o'er. Soon will they drift to eternity's shore. Haste then, my brother, no time for delay, but throw out the lifeline and save them today. And the chorus, throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is drifting away. Throw out the lifeline, throw out the lifeline, someone is sinking today. How many of y'all like boats? Anybody like going out on the water, taking your boats out, go fishing, or just go out skiing or something like that? What would you do if you're out on a boat on a beautiful day like today, and something happens, and somebody in the boat falls over? Maybe it's your child. Maybe it's a friend. Somebody is at risk of drowning. What are you going to do? You're going to just take your boat on and say, see you later, alligator. You know, is that what you're going to do? You're going to try to help them get out of that water. You're going to throw something out there to them. Would you throw out a lifeline to somebody that was drowning? How many would think you would probably do that? If you're a, a decent human being, I think you would. You would, in fact, depending on the circumstances frantically try to save them. You would even risk yourself to save them. Well, friends, we all know people who are struggling spiritually. We all know people who no longer go to church. We all know people who are drifting away from Jesus. Maybe they aren't so far away that they can't be brought back. Throw out a lifeline. If they refuse to take it, well, that's on them. But if you refuse to throw it, guess who that's on? That's on you. That's on me. Now listen, Christian. I'm so proud of you guys. You are wonderful parents. You are. And I just want to encourage you to continue to live your faith in front of your daughter. McKenna needs to see your faith lived out every single day. Through good times and through hard times, you choose Jesus and you hold on to Him. That is going to give her the best opportunity to know Jesus herself. Remember, friends, God has and will keep us eternally secure in Christ but He also offers us the dignity of choosing to be faithful to Jesus as well. Father, we thank You that we can be secure in Christ.
We don't have to worry about sickness. We don't have to worry about what's going on in this world. And Lord, we do worry. Lord, I, I, I admit, I confess anxiety at times and stress sometimes. But what a promise you have given us that we are eternally secure in Christ. Thank you that Jesus came to save our souls. Thank you that Jesus was sacrificed to give us hope and life. Father, help us to hold on to Jesus no matter what. Help us to put our trust in you and not in our own ability to be perfect because that's never going to happen, but in your ability to love us through our imperfections and to pour your grace upon us. May we never deny you. May we never turn away from you. May we always hold on to you. And may we throw out a lifeline to others in life who are struggling, others who seem to be slipping away. And we know many people, Lord, who seem to be just slipping away, drifting away. Maybe it's a decision they make, well, I'm not going to go to church today. And then the next week, and the next week, and the next week. Or maybe I'm just not going to pray today, or I'm not going to open my Bible today. And one little decision after another, and they find themselves like they've drifted away from the boat. Father, help us to love them back. Help us to throw out the lifeline. And we thank you, Lord, for those that threw out a lifeline to us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what life is bringing your way. I do know that things are tough out there. But Jesus is faithful. If you need to pray with somebody, if you need to bring something up, and you just need some encouragement to be lifted up and reminded of what Jesus is offering to you, I I would encourage you to come and talk to me um, at at the end of the service. Uh, We're going to go out there. We're going to be grilling and chilling in just a few minutes. Listen, if you need to talk to somebody at that time, hey, don't hesitate. Come on over. I can let Christy Flip over the pork chops, okay? I'd love to talk. Or you might want to rather talk to her or somebody else. We got all day, you know? But don't go through life thinking you got to keep things secret and it's all on your own. It's not. You have a family that loves you and we will help you. if you.